Hi there, I'm Wendy Hobbs. Welcome to Knowledge Counts, a podcast of the Canadian Institute of Quantity Surveyors. Today we're talking to Josh Peel and Griffin Simony, owners of Shift Accessibility Contractors, about making projects more accessible. Josh, tell me about Shift. So with Shift, we're a general contractor and we specialize in modifications to homes and businesses to make them more comfortable and barrier-free here in Calgary. We are also in the process of developing an age-in-place home construction department where we're able to help people design and build a new home that they can hopefully live in for the rest of their life. What made you decide to specialize in accessibility contracting? So prior to starting up Shift, I was with a construction company here in Calgary. And, uh, and it was one of those companies that you can foresee yourself staying at for the next 20 or so years. It was something that I had really strived to be able to get to. Um, but a friend of mine started up with an accessibility contracting company out in Ottawa. And the stories she was telling me on a weekly basis were just so rewarding. Helping a person to the upstairs of her house for the first time in two years since her accident. And everybody up there is just bawling because it's a super moving experience. It was very fulfilling as a company and it just something that completely changes her life. So um, hearing stories like this, uh, it just all of a sudden clicked for me and I grew up heavily involved in the um, community surrounding people with disabilities and volunteering with Special Olympics. My mom was heavily involved um, as a social worker and it just all seemed to work and, um, and saw an opportunity that I could be involved in making a difference for the next 20 years. And what about you, Griffin? Yeah, and so the way that I got involved in the uh, accessible industry is actually from my grandparents. So my grandparents were both fully cognitively independent. My grandfather still will hike the mountains if you let him. Um, however, my grandmother has a hip issue, which she's had since the day she was born. But with age, it's just become more and more difficult to access the home. There were stairs leading up to every entrance and then stairs within the entrance as well. Um, and this forced them to move into an assisted living home. Visiting my grandparents there, one of the most fascinating and kind of dumbfounding things we found was that this condo that they, you know, were putting all this money into, that they'd left the home they were living in for the past 50 years, is it wasn't even accessible. They have a balcony that they had to get out onto. However, there's a one-foot uh, lip or threshold that you would have to cross over, so my grandmother is in a, unable to uh, use her balcony. You look at the washer and dryer in the unit is uh, stackable, so for a lot of widows and elderly people and seniors living in this building, they actually can't even fully complete doing their laundry. Another side that kind of brought me into then looking at actually working in the industry is when I was moving out my grandparents from their home, I realized how much stress it was putting on my grandfather, knowing that he was moving from the place where he had spent so much time, the large majority of his life, my parents' childhood, um, and having to move out of that space into an assisted home, along with having to get land surveyors in, dealing with real estate agents, all these things. And I just thought, wow, there must be a way that we can do this for seniors and people with disabilities so that they can stay 
within the home that they currently have and just make that life easier. So us as a general contractor, though we do do the construction side, we also work very hard to develop a network of resources within the seniors and persons with disability community so that we can just make any transitions or projects or issues that they're dealing with much more comfortable as well as feasible. What's made you so passionate about accessibility? Uh, we, we as a society are slowly becoming conscious and accepting that mobility challenges are a part of everyday life for a large portion of the population. I'm, I have a, have kind of a funny story about the stigma. So my wife's grandma, she's in her 80s. She, uh, she still lives in her farmhouse with her husband in South Saskatchewan. Probably one of the hardest working people I've ever met in my life. She, uh, and she still is to this day. She has a set of stairs in her house that is super steep um, to the point where every one of us when we go to visit end up slipping down it and have many times in the past. And she's still super dedicated to going up the stairs, cleaning, making the beds, putting new sheets on every time somebody comes to visit. And to put it in a little bit into perspective, she has a hip replacement, she's had a shoulder replacement, and she's had a knee replacement in the past. So this isn't an easy feat for her. Um, this past Christmas we were over visiting and we suggested why don't we, or why don't you let us put a chairlift in? It could help create a little bit more of a safe environment. Uh, and she looked at us and she says, I am not disabled. And, uh, and this is something that we all kind of had a chuckle about because she's basically a bionic woman with all the replaced joints that she has. So, but this is, uh, just goes to show the mentality and the, the view that a lot of people have uh, toward disabilities. And it's something that we're trying to work on changing. One thing for, to take a look at is like, you, when you, you wear glasses. Uh, I wear glasses quite a bit. Uh, there are a lot of people that do. And technically we are visually impaired, therefore disabled. And glasses themselves are an aid that helps at it, or helps with visual impairment that people don't think twice about. And as a society, I think our goal is to be able to get to that point with any type of disability. So another way that we're trying as a company to break down this stigma that there is around accessibility, especially accessibility within the home, is that people think about making their home accessible, they immediately think of what's in a hospital, you know, grab bars, um, different seats in the showers, things like this, and they think, I don't want my home to look like the inside of a hospital when I come home to it. It's going to remind me and make me feel maybe marginalized, uh, more dependent, as well as a lot of people, especially when we talk in sort of the real estate side of things, talk about reducing the value of their home. So something we work really tirelessly to do is develop connections and provide products that, honestly, some of these things look like they belong at the Nordic Spa in Kananaskis. They're just absolutely beautiful seats that I would put in my own home and they're really not that expensive and the nice thing about the disabilities as well as seniors is that everyone's in it for the reason of providing great service to these individuals and making their life easier and breaking down these stigmas because it is something that a lot of people are running into within the industry is trying to sell these products trying to sell their services and as Josh put it 
the response they get is, well, I'm not disabled or I don't need this, I don't need that. And it's about investing into your future, investing into your physical abilities and being able to plan for that future while you can until all of a sudden you hit a point where, oh my gosh, I can't get into the basement anymore. I guess I've got to move out of my house entirely. And you're making way more of a sacrifice in that than you are in just trying to be proactive. And sometimes, you know, it takes children being blunt with their parents or things like that and getting those services brought in so that when you hit that point, it's as simple as, you know, moving a few walls, opening a few doorways rather than doing a complete home renovation or change to your home. And a lot of times people need to know that they're not alone. According to the Canadian Survey on Disabilities, the mobility disabilities in Canada has more than doubled between 2012 and 2017 from 266,000 to 620,000. And within the next 20 years, we're going to have more than 9 million people uh, within Canada that have disabilities, which is about one in five of us. Renovating a building to be accessible can be expensive. What are the options out there to help people afford these changes? Canada is a bit behind the game as far as the funding side of things go. Uh, put it in perspective, in the UK, 2019 budget for home modifications was sitting at about 500 million pounds, which is about 750 mil Canadian. And in Canada, there is an investment of about 40 million. So we have a long way to go to get up to, uh, to a point that we are making as big of an impact as some of the other uh, leaders as far as the accessibility things go. Yeah, so here in uh, Alberta, as well as Canada, starting with Canada, we have the Enabling Access Fund. So what that is, is it's more so for the commercial side of things. So private corporations, nonprofits, other organizations can apply for this funding. There's basically three sets. Me, myself, I'm a youth accessibility leader for the government of Canada. So what I'll do is I can go into commercial spaces, you know, coffee shops, theaters, places like that, and I can identify barriers that they have and then assist the business in applying for a grant of $10,000 or apply for funding of $10,000. Then above this, there's some larger funding available. So small projects wise, it's uh, $100,000 or less, or larger projects or mid-sized projects is $3 million or less. So that's a lot more for the organizations, not so much for um, the homes, but you know we focus so much on the homes and how you can be comfortable within your home, but that's one building that you're in out of the hundreds that there are around Calgary itself. So developing awareness around these funding programs because a lot of it, you know, if you walk into a place and you're like, hey, you can, we can make this place accessible for you. We can increase the number of clients you're having. We can increase the inclusivity that your business provides. And all of this will be covered under this funding that the government can provide. You know, that's a good way of, as we were saying earlier, breaking down the stigma, making it more normalized to be able to access these places. One funding organization that we have here in Alberta is the RAMP program. So that would be the Residential Access Modification Program. And what that is, is it's for low-income families who are dealing with a disability and need modifications done to their home for funding up to $7,500 a year. You can do two years and then you max out at $15,000 for the funding. And then what this allows you to do is, you know, We've had people who can't get in their front door, people who 
need a wheel-in shower, things like this, and it can either cover the full cost of the project or a portion of it um, to enable you to access your home uh, much more effectively. The thing that RAMP also has is it actually provides its own standards and requirements for what will fall into their criteria for where they will place the funding. So occupational therapists need to be involved. And then as I said, there's specific design requirements for what's your renovation gonna look like. It has to be a, permin a permanent renovation, all these different requirements. And if you fit all those, then you will get $7,500 to renovate that home and make some portion of it more accessible. Uh, another one that is available for a lot of companies is a program called DREZ. So it's Disability-Related Employment Supports. This is set up to help companies who employ a person with disabilities. And uh, we actually just finished a project uh, renovating the washroom of a business to allow for a woman in a power wheelchair to be able to better access the facilities. Another one that Canadians can look at, more so Canadian veterans, is Veterans Affairs. And they provide a lot of funding for Canadian veterans to be able to increase the accessibility within their home. Where did you learn to be accessibility contractors? So I just finished taking the RHFAC course and it, uh, RHFAC stands for the Rick Hansen Foundation Accessibility Certification. It is a program set up, it's a rating system set up to allow businesses to, uh, to assess their space and see and rate it on a scale as to how accessible it is. This program was set up by Rick Hansen Foundation and it's been endorsed by CSA. And you can have the opportunity to publish your results, which is great for marketing to clients. It's great for also marketing to current or future employees to be able to show, hey, we are an accessible space. We have the ability for you to access um, all of our facilities and here we are on the scale of this. So there's the RHF certified gold, which is extremely tough to get. And then there's also the RHF certified. It shows that you still are an accessible space and have made some accommodations to allow people with disabilities to be able to use your facilities. The course itself is an amazing opportunity to learn about disabilities. I had pretty lucky experience, I think. We had a super great instructor. Her name was Samantha Prue. She's from ABE Factors. Um, on top of being an accessibility specialist, she's also a building co-consultant and is super passionate about creating a barrier-free society. It made it extremely engaging for us as a class, but we also had a very diverse and, and skilled class that had signed up just based on the prerequisites to get into the course and such. Uh, but it was full of architects and other contractors, um, other accessibility consultants, and even City of Calgary employees. The class itself um, started off day one, we had a disability simulation, which was a very humbling experience. We got to try operating a wheelchair within SAIT and experiencing um, things like transferring onto toilets and going over thresholds through smaller doorways showing how showing the barriers that a lot of people uh, go through on a day-to-day -day basis and another one that we got to try out was the visually impaired simulation where we would put on um, put on goggles that 
would block out your sight and go through, and varying levels of blurriness, I guess, but, and go through sight, experiencing this, surrounded by people and um, being able to use mobility devices and canes to detect where you're going. And uh, I found this extremely anxiety inducing, just being within a large open space, not really knowing where you are, uh, having a lot of people around and a lot of noise, it just very disorienting and it really gave a pretty strong impression as to how people or what people are exposed to day to day. I would definitely recommend the course to anybody looking to either educate themselves or or even get certified and, and to be able to provide these ratings for businesses um, and organizations. It's uh, it's helping helping our communities become more inclusive and and accessible to everybody. So another thing I'm just gonna throw in. Um, the the course was kind of nice because it not only focused on mobility disabilities, which a lot of people automatically envision a wheelchair when they think of disabilities, but it also focused on cognitive and invisible disabilities, uh, such as dementia and anxiety and um, and other mental disabilities that people don't think of right away. What is the Accessible Canada Act and how does that affect accessibility in construction? So one thing that the Canadian government is doing, and as Josh said, we are slightly behind, even the country is even behind some of the provinces actually, is Bill C-81, which is the Accessible Canada Act. So the goal of this act was to enhance the full and equal participation of all people within society, especially those living with disabilities. The way that the act plans to assist with this is through the identification, removal, and prevention of barriers. The way that it's going to work is for government organizations and services, they plan to identify and direct which barriers to remove within their spaces so that people with mobility issues can more easily access within facilities. They also hope to tell how to employ people with disabilities. So what steps do you have to take? What changes do you have to make to this area to employ people with disabilities so that we can be a fully inclusive society, not only within the facilities, but um, through employment as well. The last point that they try to make is how are they going to make goods, services, and info more accessible to people? So this can look at uh, different media outlets that the government runs, along with websites. Accessible websites is something that's actually becoming quite big now, so that with respect to how does your text look, what uh, font are you using, the different headings that you give to photos within your website. Some organizations res with respect to real estate have already actually started to make some regulations based around this. So the long-term plan would be that these organizations will actually consult directly with people with disabilities and try to establish plans for their specific space or specific service on how can we make this the most accessible to all Canadians, whether they have a disability or are uh, without. The plan for this also would be once you develop these plans, they would like to then have a feedback system so that comments and complaints and discussion can be had about, you know, okay, so we made these changes now, how do we improve them? Are they not working for people? Because we want to uh, an issue that happens sometimes is you go in and changes can be made and then it's finished and you realize, oh wait, this doesn't actually fit all people. It might fit this unique situation or this other one, but what you want to do obviously is create 
inclusivity for the entirety of society. So through this legislation, they would also look at creating a new organization, which would be called the Canadian Accessibility Standard Development Organization, so that we can actually develop Canadian standards around accessibility and barrier-free living. And so this organization would be built up of people with disabilities, as well as experts within the field to create the board of directors. Um, and they would recommend legal rules to make uh, services and facilities more accessible. This would then go up to government where the, uh, the final decisions could be made. So one of the things is that, as I said before, is that we have this Canadian Act coming in. However, there are three provinces currently who have a Disability Act, Manitoba, Ontario, and Nova Scotia. Here in Alberta, what we have is the Alberta Design Code for Disabilities and Barrier-Free Construction. However, we do not have our own specific legislation or laws surrounding it. What are some of the difficulties with accessibility awareness in the construction industry? So another big challenge that we face is educating businesses on how accessible their spaces are and how they can become more accessible. Uh, most able-bodied individuals don't have barriers at the forefront of their mind when they are accessing uh, businesses and, and the built environment in general, just because it's not natural to necessarily pick out things that don't directly affect you. Um, this is something that we're looking at changing, and I, I've got a pretty good example of this. We just finished a project, as I touched on a little bit earlier, but we just finished a project that uh, worked with a business to make their washroom accessible. A woman who works for the company that has been there for a few years now, she's in a power wheelchair, and for the past three or four years, she has been leaving the place of business and going about a block or traveling about a block away to where she can use an accessible washroom. She was going through snowstorms, rainstorms, she was getting stuck in the parking lot. There were times when she said she was spinning out on the ice uh, for long periods of time and she just wouldn't say anything. And the staff themselves didn't know because to their knowledge and to code, they have an accessible washroom. But code doesn't always mean that it's acceptable or accessible for everybody. That's a strong testament to her character for um, not saying anything because she but she just felt like she didn't want to be a hassle. She didn't want to be a stick in the mud. Whereas uh, oftentimes businesses get complaints that, that are definitely far less valid than something like this. And uh, as soon as the company found out that she was traveling a block away to be able to use the washroom, they were on it immediately, um, signed up for disability awareness training for all of their staff. Um, which was over 50 people, I believe, and uh, and then got um, got the process started to be able to modify the washroom to make it accept, uh, accessible for her, something that she can use so she doesn't have to travel a block away. Hiring people with disabilities is something that has become more more in light over the last number of years. There's actually a really good TED talk put on by Randy Lewis, who was an executive for Walgreens down in the States, but he talks about the importance on how every company should hire somebody uh, or hire a large portion of their workforce who would have disabilities. And a couple of reasons. One 
they are super loyal. Chances are that they uh, they have been looking for a business or a company that they can work for that is accessible, that allows them um, to access all the places in the business without uh, being limited to certain areas. And they don't, they likely don't want to go through that again, um, go through the search again. And two, they are, people with disabilities are natural problem solvers. They deal with day-to-day -day very unique challenges and are just used to um, coming up with uh, the right solutions to be able to get them through on a day-to-day -day basis. Can you explain the concept of universal design? Something that uh, a lot of people are incorporating into the design of new builds and renovations, things like that, are um, the universal design concept. So it's not a new concept, it's been around for a while, but it creates an environment that can easily be accessed by everybody. And this doesn't mean just people with disabilities. This is everybody, babies, or people pushing strollers, um, people carrying bags of groceries into a house, people moving a new fridge into a house. And it, it includes small concepts such as putting levered handles on your doorways instead of knobs and including a zero threshold entrance into your house so you can easily wheel in a new fridge or or just having wider corridors in general so it's easier to move a king-size bed into your master bed or whatever the case is it's generally stuff that is very inexpensive or has no cost impact if you're designing out of the gate and can make a world of a difference for for everybody and it gives you a chance to be able to age in place and stay in that home for a lot longer if you were to have a decrease in mobility for any reason. Yeah and so the way that we're trying to incorporate this is that you know again when we go back to awareness and people knowing about age in place home renovations or universal home renovations you know if we get a call for a normal renovation what we want and would and like to do is look at it and say okay how can we you know, we know you want this whole kitchen renovation. How can we do it in a way that is an accessibility project or a universal design project while meeting all the goals of what you want? Because if we can incorporate those things in, as Josh had said earlier, it's almost at no cost. There might be a little bit of extra, say, if you're widening a door or something like that. But really, when you look at the long-term investment of having done a renovation like this it just provides so much more benefit and avoids so many more bumps in the road. Curb cuts and sidewalk design are an example of multiple disability design. How important is that accessibility going forward? So designing with a variety of disabilities in mind is something that um, that everybody's starting to kind of direct themselves toward. Uh, you made a really good point about the curb cuts for example. Um, and it's something that we notice quite a bit now that now that we're conscious of this. But the previous design for curb cuts, if you look throughout uh, the majority of cities, uh, you will see lines cut into that curb cut or curb cut. And originally, uh, you would think that okay, horizontally, so it gives you a little bit of extra grip. So these lines cut into the sidewalk will be able to help provide traction, so you're not slipping onto the concrete. But then if you think about that from a visually impaired side, a lot of times grooves in concrete indicate the direction of travel. So if 
an individual is using their cane and they're following the groove, it's going to lead them across the curb cut, which obviously doesn't work. So people were putting them with the direction of travel, so they were being installed toward the road, say at an intersection for example. But again, these were not fully being thought through just because a lot of times you'll look at a curb cut and it's heading toward the center of an intersection where uh, when an individual is following it with their cane it's going to shoot them right into the middle of traffic so this is a great example of the progression of progression of the interdisciplinary side of disabilities and pulling in the opinions of a lot of people living with living with or different disabilities because now if you look at the newest ones, they will have tactile attention indicators included, as well as the grooves will follow the direction of travel. So they'll, um, there will be a dip, a curb cut in the concrete, and the lines will follow straight across the intersection exactly between the, um, the crosswalk itself and allow people to get to the other side. So another way that uh, these designs are kind of being brought to the forefront is if you're looking at ways of going upstairs. Um, some businesses might just come to you and say, hey, I need, you know, I have a railing on one side, but I'd like to have kind of a wall-mounted railing on the other to make it fully accessible. However, this doesn't um, take into account, again, people with visual disabilities. So what you would do in these is you would lay strips over top of the stairs so that there's a contrasting color at each lip. Therefore, it's a lot um, easier to see. You can do inside homes, you know, anti-glare lighting, things like that, so that it's not uh, too bright and doesn't blur vision further. So one of the ways that you can look at barriers, especially within homes, but also within commercial and business spaces, is you can categorize the barrier in a way such that you look at, um, are we going to remove the barrier? Are we going to restrict the or uh, mitigate the barrier, or are we going to restrict access to the barrier? So the th ways, the example I would use for these three is say you have some stairs. So the way that you could remove the barrier is by either installing maybe a stair lift so you're no longer using the actual stairs themselves, um, the installation of an elevator or the use of an elevator. So again, you're not using the stairs. There's ways to mitigate the stairs by putting in handrails, putting in uh, visible strips along each step for people with visual impairments, just ways to kind of work around the barrier easier. And then the third one would be actually restricting access to the barrier or completely removing it altogether. So this would be by putting up blockades, maybe directing you to a safer point of access, just doing these little things and looking at this will kind of open up a group of options, especially if you're going into a space and you're saying, all right, how are we going to assess this? What kind of work do you want to have done? Kind of using this mentality that we've developed allows you to run different options, different scenarios. And then again, especially in seniors homes where they're completely independent and this is the place they want to stay, giving them a few very clear cut options is always much appreciated. And it is the home they want to stay in forever. So you want to give them the ability to enjoy and experience that home as best they can and as they would wish to. Thanks to Griffin and Josh from Shift Accessibility Contractors for speaking with us today about making buildings more accessible. For Knowledge Counts, I'm Wendy Hobbs.